It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 15th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic... There's a little thing called the NBA Draft Lottery happened on Tuesday. Um, You you may have heard of it. It's kind of a big deal. Teams that don't make the playoffs um, kind of gather and decide who's going to get the first pick. Uh, You know, it's it's a low stress stress deal. You know, no no one really cares about it. But the NBA Draft Lottery did happen. Zion Williamson likely to be a New Orleans Pelican as the Pelicans win the Draft Lottery. I'll explain why that Draft Lottery, why the results from Tuesday night will have a ripple effect that will touch the Orlando Magic as we begin to seriously look at the offseason. I'll also take a look at some of the players the Magic might be looking to pick some of my early favorites for the, or I guess it's not early, but early in our draft process here on the show. Some of my early favorites for the Magic to pick. Some guys I'm a little bit scared of at this point that are going to be in the Magic's range. And a, just a brief overview of the NBA Draft Combine, what I, what I hope the Magic get out of it. Uh, and and what we should be looking for as we begin the draft process. So today is the official beginning of the draft process, uh, I guess, process. Um, We'll we'll hold off on player evaluations, reset those tomorrow. I am going to talk about Aaron Gordon uh, in my next player evaluation on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I hope to have that up late Wednesday, if not early Thursday. So taking a little break to talk some draft. But... We can't go any further without mentioning the Lockdown Podcast Network because I can talk about the NBA Draft Lottery all I want, but I can only talk about it from the Magic perspective and, and what, what those, those things mean. If you want a true perspective on what the NBA Draft Lottery means, the best place to go is to the other Lockdown Podcast to get the specific team perspective of what happened in Chicago on Tuesday night. Lockdown Pelicans, I'm sure, is ecstatic. I'm sure that they are still on cloud nine, having won the first the top overall pick and the right to draft Zion Williamson, who many people believe 
will be a, a kind of generational talent. Um, I'm not sold on that. I think he will be a very, very good player, though, so don't get me wrong. Um, you know, and I, I think I would rather have Anthony Davis over Zion Williamson anyway, but that's either here nor there. Um, but Locked On Pelicans uh, will have a complete coverage of the NBA Draft Lottery. Locked On Grizzlies will have complete coverage as they t- pick, take the second pick. A despondent, perhaps, Locked On Knicks will cover the third pick. And, of course, Locked On Lakers, no one cares about them. Sorry, we love you, Locked On Lakers. Um, future Lakers blogger here. Uh, but um, uh, the whole NBA Draft Lottery is covered no matter what team you're looking to hear from. Uh, every team in the NBA has a Locked On podcast covering their specific team. You can also find... Locked on NBA for your general NBA needs and locked on fantasy basketball. And oh yeah, by the way, the Golden State Warriors defeated the Portland Trailblazers in game one of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, um, Stephen Curry going crazy from deep to lead the Warriors to a big victory. And of course, Bucks Raptors game one starts on Wednesday night. You can find all these podcasts on iTunes or search on the Himalaya app. You can download podcasts to your device as well as get play, create playlists and get suggestions for new podcasts, especially those on the Locked On Podcast Network, whether it's NBA, MLB, NFL, or colleges too. The Locked On Podcast Network has you covered. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The NBA Draft Lottery is, frankly, the first big piece of the offseason. No one can sign new contracts. No one can really even do much as far as real draft prep. I mean, there have been draft workouts going on, so it's not like the, the teams haven't been talking to players. But the last kind of big variable, so to speak, gets set on NBA draft lottery night. Things can and do change on the bounce of a ping pong ball. On a number three coming up instead of a number two in those ping pong ball drums. It is a big day that has ripple effects that go across the entire NBA. There is no denying that this is a big moment. And it's a moment that brought surprising results. Three teams. And the first year that the NBA flattened the lottery odds and decided to draw the first four picks rather than the first three picks, three teams jumped from outside of the top three in or outside of the top four into the top four. The New York Knicks were the only team that should be in the top four that ended up in the top four, and they ended up third. Whether that will actually curb tanking and 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 do what what the league hopes it will, we don't know. Um, but certainly, a little bit of chaos into the NBA draft lottery process is going to make people think, and that little bit of chaos is going to have ripple effects throughout the league. This summer, particularly, just just looking at it generally, I'm not even talking about the Magic yet. This summer is expected to be a particularly busy one around the league. You might remember four years ago, there was that massive cap spike that everyone knew was coming, but everyone still spent like crazy. And it's an actual fact that most of, almost half the league becomes free agents this summer. Particularly on the max side, it is a big free agent summer. 
Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Klay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Nikola Vucevic. There are a, uh, and DeMarcus Cousins too, if, if you want to count, throw him in there. There are a lot of star players set to become free agents. And yes, there is an expectation that more than one of them is going to move to a new team. That more than a few of these guys are going to be bouncing around the league, are going to change the dynamics of the league. And that doesn't even get into Anthony Davis, who still has a trade request hanging over the New Orleans Pelicans franchise. And so this NBA draft lottery has started to put those wheels in motion for the offseason and what this offseason is going to look like. The best analogy I can think of is we're playing a board game, game of chess. Chess is a two-player game, but we're playing a, a board game. And the NBA draft lottery is the last piece in place to set up the board game. Always takes the longest to set up the game. To get all the pieces in place so you can roll the first die, cast the first lot. And the way this scenario sets up, I mean, think of, I mean, I don't know if, if some of you play risk this way, but you know, when I always played risk because, you know, my my youngest sister Love you, Jackie. She hated playing risk because my uh, my other sister and I would kind of gang up on her, not intentionally. It's because she kept picking Europe, and you know you never pick Europe in in risk. I'm sorry, it's too centrally located. You got to defend both both flanks. It's it's strategically terrible. So we created a house rule that you draw the cards to figure out where your territories are. And she would still pick Europe as her base territory, which is, again, very, very silly. That's kind of what the NBA draft lottery does. It draws those cards and tells you what the map is ultimately going to look like. And so now that the Pelicans have drawn the first pick, they've got some big questions. Is Anthony Davis still going to want out? Do the Pelicans who were reportedly interested or at least fielding calls, if not turning them down, are the Pelicans going to trade Drew Holiday? Are they going to view this, uh, uh, view their trade of Anthony Davis as, as a rebuild trade, kind of getting future assets, or are they looking for something resembling equal value so they can reload around Zion Williamson and around Drew Holiday and, and maybe around Julius Randle? I don't think you'd put him in that group quite yet. The Pelicans getting the top pick brings those questions to the forefront. Sean Devaney, uh, earlier in the offseason, reported that should the Pelicans make Drew Holiday available, which a lot of people around the league seem to think, the usual suspects of teams looking for point guards would be interested. Orlando, Phoenix, Chicago, all those teams. How much does Zion, how much does potentially getting Zion Williamson change that equation. You can ask a lot of these questions about the second pick in the draft too, the Memphis Grizzlies. Now that they're in line to select John Morant, the dynamic point guard for Murray State, 
Are they going to put Mike Conley on the table? Mike Conley still owed $30 million over the next two or three years. May not be as enticing, but let's let's say if you're Orlando, you're looking for a veteran with a bit of a killer instinct. And yeah, he has an injury, he has some injury issues. If Memphis is sold on Morant, would they be willing to take on Evan Fournier, Timothy Moskov, and the sixth pick, adding in maybe a filler to, to make salaries match? Would that be something the Magic are willing to do? And the, uh, the Magic have the 16th pick, I apologize. Would doing that make the Magic willing to go into the luxury tax or, or flirt with the tax to re-sign a Nikola Vucevic or Terrence Ross and really kind of push in a little bit on what they have adding a veteran, frankly, all-star caliber point guard? Will other teams begin to circle the Grizzlies thinking that Mike Conley might be available? What does this do for Phoenix? Phoenix thinking that they might draft second or third, and, and of course Memphis could take R.J. Barrett and make all that moot and recommit to Mike Conley. But what does Phoenix do now? Drafting sixth, still in desperate need of a point guard. Would they be? Are they looking now to the trade market to do so? Would they be a team that chases after a Mike Conley? Do they have the salaries even to make something like that work? I, I'm, I'm racking my brain. I don't think they do. These are all questions that we did not think we'd be asking. The Grizzlies were supposed to pick 7th, 8th, or ninth, somewhere in there. Instead, they're 2nd. Instead, they have a big choice, not only with who they pick, but how they reshape their roster. I mean, a core of John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. sounds really, really good. Maybe, maybe they, they probably need another piece and they'll struggle enough to get one. But that sounds like the beginnings of a really good team for Memphis. So maybe it is time to move on from the old. They already traded Marc Gasol, and maybe Mike Conley is indeed on his way out. And there will be teams seeking opportunity there. As you can begin to see, the way the lottery shaked out is going to have ripple effects down to the Magic. And now that this board is set, the Magic have to understand what they want to accomplish this season. It all starts, of course, with the decision about Nikola Vucevic and to some extent Terrence Ross. Do the Magic feel like they can keep both and they can add that extra piece to to make them a little more competitive and add it to the young group that they have? Do they feel like one or both are gone, and how do they bolster the roster then? Is, is a trade-up in the draft the right move? Is, is there a guy that they have to get in this draft? All these dominoes are starting to fall. I'm sure Orlando will explore every avenue to get better. I'm sure they will have their contingency plans in place. But guess what? The draft comes before free agency. I'm sure Orlando has a better sense of what Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross might get on the market. I'm sure they have a better sense of what they're willing to give than, than, than we can mention here, than we can talk about here because we're not privy to those conversations. There are confidential conversations that have probably happened already within the organization, maybe even between team and agent, to have a sense of what's going to happen on July 1st. 
And, and personally, I'm convinced what the Magic do on draft night, one way or another, will give us some clue on their feelings about what will happen a little more than a week later when the Magic do enter free agency. So, the board is set. And, frankly, the way the board is set now only raises more questions about what's going to happen in this league this year, this summer. And, certainly, the Magic are going to feel those effects. The board that they have to play, the the game that they have to play, was changed. I think a little bit with how this lottery developed. And despite a successful season, the fun has really just begun. The offseason has really just begun. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But the first place to start is with the draft. Um, the Magic are picking with the 16th pick in this year's draft and and obviously a very different spot. And, you know, most Magic fans, I think, watched the draft lottery on on Tuesday very relaxed, you know, well concerned, not not worried about anything. The future of the franchise wasn't at stake, as far as we know. But now comes the difficult part, and that is finding value at 16. You know, I was, I was with, a, with a friend and, and we were looking up the past players who were drafted 16th. It's not a very good list. Um, I think since, I think in the last 15 years or so, more than 15 years, last 20 years or so, there's only been two All-Stars drafted 16th. Meta World Peace, nay, Ron Artest, and Nikola Vucevic. John Stockton was drafted 16th in 1984. Hito Turkoglu was drafted 16th in 2000. There aren't a lot of high-quality 16th. There, there are some good players, though. Don't get me wrong. Terry Rozier was drafted 16th. I know a lot of Magic, some Magic fans still like him. Um, you know, Chris Gatling, Magic legend, was drafted 16th. Uh, Dana Barrows, longtime Celtics player, was drafted 16th. There, there are some nice players. And I think that's what's most important. As, as, as we were beginning to discuss who the Magic might take on, online, you know, I, I kind of said, you know, the, the most important thing to remember here with the 16th pick is you don't have to draft a home run here. At six, you want the home run hit. You're going for the big swing. At 16, it's a little harder to do that. You're not likely getting those kinds of players. And so if you can get a single and stretch it out to a double, that's a good pick. And, you know, I I get criticized for this all the time. I continue to say a good draft pick is finding someone who contributes to an NBA team. Certainly the higher you are in the draft, the more the expectations are that that player will be a starter caliber player. But 
at 16, you're not necessarily looking for a starter caliber player. If one falls into your lap, that's fantastic. But what you're really looking for is a rotation caliber guy, someone who can contribute to your team. And as I begin to look a little bit closer at this draft class, what's really interesting to me, and something I really like about this class, um, it's going to make it harder to evaluate as well, is, you know, obviously Zion Williamson, John Morant, R.J. Barrett are your three best guys. I don't think there's much debate about that. There's a group from about four to eight or nine that are pretty similar. But then I would argue there's there's probably a group from seven to 15, 16, 17, 18 that you could just kind of throw up in the air and however it lands is how it lands. I think this is going to be one of the more unpredictable drafts that we've seen in a long time because there's a lot of similar players throughout the course of this draft. Now, as far as the magic goes, I will say that this is a draft that's not really heavy on big men, which the magic seemed pretty fine in the post. They got Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac to play the 3-4. They've got Mohamed Bamba as a center. They got Nikola Vucevic hanging around still. They got Ken Birch hanging around still. It's not a draft that I think you're going to get a lot of 3-4s. There's a lot of wing players, I think, especially where the Magic are picking, that make a lot of sense. So you're, you're looking for a guy that's going to supplement, you know, a Terrence Ross, a Wessel Wundu, um, you know, guys that can kind of fill in roles on the perimeter. And there are some interesting players. There are some guys that are kind of big swing guys. Um, you know, I think a lot of fans have talked about Romeo Langford. From Indiana, uh, 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 Kevin Porter Jr. from USC, and uh, 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 Orlando Christian Prep alum and North Carolina alum Nasir Little. There are different things to like about each guy. Um, I think Romeo Langford is a very high sw- high swing guy. He's got a very a lot of upside. Um, really good off the dribble. Really good at getting to the basket. And, and you can see that he has the, a little bit of that star in him. Um, but he's a big swing. You're taking a big cut with him because he's either, he's either going to be a star or honestly completely useless. Maybe not completely useless. That's probably a little bit unfair. But he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands and needs to be the dominant scorer. And frankly, just watching some of his tape, I am not in love with his jumper. In fact, he is a poor shooter by by uh, by statistics. And even watching his makes, they don't. I don't like his shot angle. His release angle is not good. It's a flat shot. Um, the way, like, just watch how, the, if you go YouTube highlights of him, when he's shooting jumpers, watch how the ball enters the rim. It isn't an arc. It isn't a parabola. It's kind of a line drive. And frankly, I don't think that's successful. Um, it's not an issue of form. It's, you know, the stats bear it out. He's not a good shooter. And I think that kind of scares me away from him. He's a high-risk, high-reward prospect because he is very, very good on the ball. But again, like I said, at 16, you're looking for role players. You're not necessarily looking for the star. If your star lands in your lap, you go for it. If you believe that Romeo Langford can be a star, can be a number one guy for a team, and believe me, this Magic team needs that guy, then yeah, if your information tells you that he can do it, you do it. But I'm not seeing it in him. Stats don't bear it out. His play doesn't bear it out, and I do I do worry that he can translate to the NBA level at the level that the, Ma- that the Magic or any team would need. Someone's going to take the risk on him, as they should. 
Uh, but uh, I think with the Magic, you know, kind of trying to keep their spot in the playoffs, I, I don't think that's a risk the Magic should take. Kevin Porter Jr. is another really interesting prospect. Um, you know, he is uh, a a a really good creator on the perimeter. He's able to create his own shot. He's a lefty. I love lefties, as Jeff Turner would say. They're crafty because um, all lefties are crafty. Um, he, he's really, really interesting. I really like his tape. Um, he's able to make shots, able to get to his own shot, you know, worry about playmaking a little bit and getting others involved. And, you know, again, with a lot of these guys, it's it's what you do off the ball. And Porter has some, uh, you know, interest, has some issues. Um, there's a reason he's, he's slipped that low. USC really struggled as a team as a whole. Um, and so I, I think there's going to be a lot of questions that Kevin Porter Jr. is going to have to answer in the interview process to kind of dispel some of those notions. But but he has, has the potential to be a really good kind of mid-first-round steal if he pans out. Um, the other guy that I mentioned, Nasir Little, uh, for much of the year, he was a top-10 prospect. A lot of people really, really liked him. He is He's kind of a tweener, 2-3, three, 3-4 uh, three, three, type guy. Um, better outside shooter than I think people give him credit for. Um, just real inconsistent at North Carolina. I um, kind of got lost in the shuffle, but you know he can defend a little bit which I think a lot of teams will like. He can get to the basket. He can finish with athleticism. It's just about providing the same approach every single game. Um, Nasir Little, of course, would be a really nice story for Orlando. He went to Orlando Christian Prep, um, so he's a local kid. Uh, but, um, you know, he's definitely going to have to prove himself a little bit more, show up well athletically, uh, and, and again, be a, a show that he can be a little bit more consistent. Um, but he can. he is a lottery talent, for sure. Um, He's got athleticism. He's got defensive chops, and, and and I do think that he's a dark horse for the Magic to to, to kind of bring him home. Frankly, um, the guy that I'm quickly falling in love with, and I liked him a lot at Virginia Tech, and now that I'm watching him a little bit more specifically, there's a lot to like, and 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 I think honestly, I, I would describe this guy as as the safe pick if he's there at 16. Um, Nikel Alexander Walker. Um, you know, I, I think he's a good shooter, not a great shooter. Quite yet, um, I think that that he had he had some big scoring binges with the Hokies with Virginia Tech um, in turning them into a really good team, into a, a tournament contending team. I think he has the potential to continue to improve as a shooter. But what really makes it for me is he's really a two way guy, good de- good defender, um, or at least a, a instinctual defender at the college level. Good length, he blocks he blocks shots, he can block some jumpers. Um, he's ath- he's athletic and more athletic than I think people give him credit for. Um, and, and able to jump passing lanes. And if, if he has a discipline that he showed at Virginia Tech, he's a guy that can make three-pointers, defend defend well, and work a little bit off the dribble in the pick and roll. He's not fantastic at any of these things, but he's certainly good at them. And again, you're looking for guy, if you're looking for a guy that's going to be a role player, I don't think he'll be a, a star. I, I think he could be a spot starter. Um, you know, I don't think his ceiling is as high as, as Nasir Little or Kevin Porter Jr. or Romeo Langford. Uh, but his floor feels like it's a lot higher than any of them. If any of those guys fail, they don't have much to fall back on. I think if Nikel Walker or Alexander, uh, uh, I think that if he is not everything that's, that he's made out to be, or Nikel Alexander Walker, I think that if he's not, you know, a great, as good of a three point shooter as he can be, he'd still be a good defender. If he's not a good defender, he can still be a good three-point shooter. There's, there's a lot of different things that he can provide for a team. And so while I think a lot of people want to say, oh, you should hit for the whole run, go for the best player available, 
sometimes the safe pick is the okay pick. You know, would Alexander Walker be able to replace, say, what Terrence Ross does? Not last year Terrence Ross, but Toronto Terrence Ross, which maybe isn't exactly what the Magic need, but would still be a solid reserve player. And again, he's just 20 years old. All these guys are going to get better. Um, Alexander Walker is quickly becoming kind of my favorite prospect that the Magic might be looking at. I really hope the Magic get a chance to interview him at the Combine. I am I am fairly certain they will bring him in. He seems like he's a guy that's exactly the kind of player the Magic are looking for. So I'm probably selling him a little high right now, but, but I really like uh, what I've seen from this kid so far, at least from my early study of the draft. Other players to keep an eye on. Um, the ESPN mock draft uh, for Mike Schmitz uh, currently has... The, I think it's Mike Schmitz. Hold on, let me double check that. Um, the current ESPN mock draft from uh, Jonathan Givoni. Sorry, sorry, Jonathan. Sorry, Mike. Um, has the Magic taking Tyler Hero from Kentucky. Tyler Hero might be one of the better pure shooters in this draft, and certainly the Magic needs shooting. But I, I don't see what else Hero gives you. Um, you know, I think his... I think that he doesn't give you a lot of defense. He doesn't have the length component that the Magic certainly like. Um, and, and I do think we do have to remember, we do have to realize the Magic like length. I will write an article once the draft combine anthropomorphic stats are out, pointing out who has the biggest wingspan. Because last year, the Magic took uh, Mo Bamba, who had the longest measured wingspan at the NBA draft combine. They took Melvin Frazier, who had the longest wingspan among guards, and Justin Jackson, who had the longest wingspan among uh, among forwards, or one of the at least one of the top two longest wingspans among forwards? The Magic like length. They want guys who have longer wingspans than their height. Tyler Hero has a negative wingspan. He's not particularly known as a defender. He is just a shooter. Um, and and frankly, I, I watching his tape, I'm not really enamored with his shooting. I don't think I think it's oversold a little bit. I think he can still be a good shooter. Um, so I'm not convinced that Tyler Hero is the guy. I certainly, you know, you can tell by the way I'm talking about it. I wouldn't take Tyler Hero over Nikhil Alexander Walker. I probably wouldn't take him. I certainly wouldn't take him over Kevin Porter Jr. I'd put Hero in kind of the tier below. And and you know, again, like I said, there's a lot of similarities. A lot of guys who are very very close to each other in that nine to eighteen nineteen range. So again. I kind of put Hero at the bottom end of that range, if if in that group at all. So um, definitely something to look out for. The other name, and, and I'm going to wrap this up here too, he's not at the NBA Draft Combine, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention one other name that, that could slip to the Magic, but it's looking like he's going to go well before Orlando picks, and that is the international prospect from France, Sekou Demboya. Sekou Demboya... Um, is six foot nine, two hundred ten pounds. Very new to basketball, still very very raw, but a lot of guys really really like him. He's got the length that everyone loves. Very strong defender, six foot nine, so he'd play kind of the same position as Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon. I do think, you know, we're at a point where the Magic have a core group established. You know, certainly Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, certainly Mo Bamba. Um, you don't want to draft players that might disrupt that a little bit. Um, but again, you're, you're probably looking for guys that are coming off the bench at 16 anyway. So I do think the Magic will look at guards and wings in this draft, even if it means you know messing around with Terrence Ross and and, uh, and what he might do in free agency, as well as Wessel Wundu. There aren't many bigs. I mean, if you think about it, you know maybe Orlando's biggest need is a backup four. Um, you know, a, 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 a guy who can kind of be a stretch four and 
you know, Rui Hachimura might be around there. Brandon Clark from Gonzaga, his teammate, might also be around there. Um, you know, a guy that, that could probably play some four, uh, P.J. Washington as well. Um, there, there aren't a lot of stretch four type players, though, um, in this draft. This is a wing-heavy draft, and I do think the Magic will probably lean on a wing, look for some shooting in this draft. Again, I I, I really like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's kind of my early early guy that that I, that I that I like in this draft, but... You know, a lot more film to study. I just want to get a, give a brief overview of what the Magic might be looking for in this draft um, and who they might be looking at. So there you have it. Um, we'll do plenty more draft stuff with the NBA Draft Combine coming up. I'll, I'll let you know who the Magic talked to there uh, as I find out about it um, and as it gets reported. We'll talk a little bit more about draft prospects coming up in June. We'll get back to player evaluations tomorrow, but obviously the pieces now are in place for the offseason and we'll see what develops. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can subscribe to the podcast, of course, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And of course, on the Himalaya app, download podcasts straight to your device as well as create playlists and discover new podcasts to all on the Himalaya app. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.